Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power, brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Jenny Kaplan, co-founder and CEO of Wonder Media Network. Welcome back to Women Belong in the House. We're living in very strange and uncertain times. For me, and I think for others too, It's been a time of highs and lows. The pandemic and social distancing are purposefully isolating and have altered our sense of normal. We've changed our daily routines, we've donned masks to go outside, and we've taken friendships and relationships virtual. Reading the news every day can be pretty terrifying. And yet, through all this turmoil, there are silver linings. Asking someone how they are suddenly has real meaning. Communities are coming together to help those who need it most, and people are stepping up with random acts of kindness. Old friendships are being rekindled and strengthened over video chat. And in case you missed it, John Krasinski started a talk show with all good news. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to SGN. For years now, I've been wondering, why is there not a news show dedicated entirely to good news? I'm John Krasinski, and if it isn't clear yet, I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. And now, for some good news. I know that personally, I've never been more grateful for my health or felt more gratitude for our healthcare workers, emergency services, teachers, and the people who are still going to work every day. From a business perspective, it's a devastating time for many and an opportunity to innovate for some. Regardless, the boundary between work and home life is perhaps more blurred than ever. But right now, I find there's something comforting about hearing other stories of challenge and success. That brings us to what we're doing today. We're veering away a bit from our normal style of episode. In each interview, I asked every representative we've spoken to thus far this season for stories that show a high and a low from their time in Congress. Here's what they had to say. Quick note. All but one of these conversations took place before COVID-19 really hit the U.S. You'll know the one when you hear it. Let's start with the women we've spoken with who've been there for the longest. Here's Representative Sherry Bustos from Illinois' 17th District. We'll start with her low. I would say um, the the story is is fresher than I would like it to be, and and that is um, how... For the life of me, I do not understand why so many of the great pieces of legislation that we've been able to pass in the last year uh, do not have more bipartisan support. There's absolutely no reason in in my mind that anything should be labeled as a Democratic proposal or a Republican proposal when we are doing things like trying to fight to bring down the cost of prescription drugs, or we are trying to fight to make sure that health care is affordable for every family in our country or we are trying to fight to make sure that our children aren't uh, strapped with the terrible student loan debt that they are. And 
th these issues that are just important to to people all over our country have all of a sudden they they get they're they're supported only by Democrats in way too many cases or just a handful of Republicans. I think they're just common sense pieces of legislation. In fact, we passed 400 bills in 2019, uh, 275 of which did have bipartisan support. But in, in many of those cases, the bipartisan support just, uh, in too many cases, just have a handful of Republicans who have been supportive of them. And um, yet what's happening is we pass them out of the House and they're sitting on the desk of Mitch McConnell gathering dust, and he's not even taking them up. So to me, that is, um, that's been a low point in Congress that we've got these great pieces of legislation that would be so helpful to so many people, and um, they don't have more widespread support. And then um, Mitch McConnell, who's the leader of the Senate, doesn't even do anything with them. So I, I, would, say, I would characterize my biggest disappointment as, as that. For Sherry, her high point was actually helping to change the face of the body she serves. As a reminder, Sherry helped recruit and support candidates in 2018. The fact that we have more women than we've ever had in the in the history of the U.S. House of Representatives, we have more people of color than we ever have in the history of the U.S. House of Representatives, that our diversity is, is uh, wider and deeper than it ever has been. And, um, and, and I think that makes for uh, better legislation, better decision making. Truly, if, if you look at any elected body, um, and I don't care if it's the city council, if it's the Congress, if it's the library board, if the makeup of those different bodies truly reflected the makeup of America, I just think about how much better everything would be. And, um, and, and that's what I will continue to strive for on the political end of things, to, to make sure that we have a better reflection of the makeup of our nation. That drives me um, every single day, and I'll continue to work toward that. Representative Catherine Clark from Massachusetts 5th District also said the 2018 election was a highlight. To watch these candidates grow, to watch them win over uh, the voters in their districts because of how smart they were, how authentic they were, and how voters could see that they were really on their side and that they wanted to bring um, those issues of their districts to Washington and not become uh, creatures of DC, but keep those connections at home um, open and close. And uh, to watch those results come in and realize that people had won across the country um, because they were advocates for expanded health care, for getting corruption out of politics, for making sure that we are creating good jobs by rebuilding our infrastructure in this country. Um, and they were from all walks of life, whether they were teachers um, to CIA agents um, to small business owners. Um, they brought their authenticity and their vision for a country that works for their districts and to see the country um, put so many of them into office was truly um, the hopeful sign that I, I needed and I think so many Americans needed, needed that our, our country is still there and we still have a vision where opportunity can be unlimited and can be open to all. 
Like many of the women I spoke with, Catherine's low point became a call to action. One of the most discouraging things for me was a very grisly ritual that we have in Congress um, that I started to uh, become aware of as a new member, where there would be a mass shooting in a community. The members who represented that district where this happened would come to the well of the house and we would, they would talk about um, what had happened in their community and we would have a moment of silence. And then the page would be turned, we would go on with what we did in Congress and we would never come back to talking about gun violence, to talking about what had happened to those families who had lost their loved ones uh, and to those who had survived, but maybe in for years of medical um, and mental health treatment ahead of them. And I just, just had growing despair over how we handled this, how we were so afraid to look at this public health issue and address it. There didn't seem to be any other reason except there were members of Congress who were in, you know, who were just in the grips of the gun lobby. And there was something about the shooting in Orlando when these dozens of young people were shot down on a dance floor which for the LGBTQ community has always been a place of refuge and of safe haven. And the, I, I believe we gave eight seconds to think about um, those, those young adults, those, those people in that nightclub who lost their lives and that we just seem to take this as another day in America, and that there was nothing that could be done, nothing as members of the Congress of the United States that we had within our power uh, to do. And that was when I started asking members on the House floor, like, what could we do? I didn't want to just have a moment of silence. We needed to have action. And I spoke to John Lewis, uh, icon of the civil rights. We call him the conscience of the house. And he, he was the one who said, let's do something dramatic. Let's have a sit-in. An unlikely place for a protest. I would ask that all of my colleagues join me on the floor. Just before noon on Wednesday, Democrats took to the US Congress's floor with an impassioned plea. They want the Republican-led Congress to vote before going on a week-long vacation on gun control measures. And with John Lewis um, leading us, we really, I think, were able to capture um, the attention of the country and let Americans know that we saw them. We saw the fear of gun violence. We saw the pain of it. And we never did get the Republican majority in 2016 to take up the vote, but it, I believe that that action started a new conversation. And what we saw in the midterms was a renewed um, 
effort by advocacy groups, by citizens, by parents and grandparents around the country who said enough is enough. Um, we can do this. We can honor the Second Amendment and we can improve our laws so that we can keep our families safe. And that's what we saw. And we were able to pass two of those bills with the new majority in the House. And now we have to keep that pressure on the Senate. Representatives largely go to Congress to get things done. So it makes sense that low points would align with an inability to do so. And highlights would stem from successfully taking action. Here's Donna Shalala of Florida's 27th District. The low point is the 500 cases we have, many of them family reunification cases or people that have been picked up by ICE who have worked in this country for years and been essentially good citizens, but they didn't have legal status. And now they're being sent back to home countries. It's the DACA kids who, through no fault of their own, that their uh, future is threatened because this administration hates immigrants. The high points are when we have to when we pass exciting uh, legislation like uh, what we've just passed in terms of drug protections uh, for people to lower drug costs or um, protecting young people from uh, the tobacco companies that are using e-cigarettes to hook them or uh, the bills that we passed to protect DACA kids, to protect uh, our environment, uh, to protect our healthcare system, and particularly to protect pre-existing conditions. You may remember from episode two that Chrissy Houlihan used her experience as a chemistry teacher and her knowledge of rare earth metals to help free up funding for parental leave. She cited that as a high. Chrissy represents Pennsylvania's 6th District. Sometimes every day has highs and lows. It's a little bit like like being an entrepreneur in in a lot of different ways. You know, um, the highs are really high and the lows are really low. I think as we talked about the kind of the rare earth elements and the family leave was, I think, one of the things I, I, if I did nothing else in Congress, but to be part of that beginning of the solution of how do we get family leave eventually to every American, you know, this is a beginning, this is a step. I, I think that's a pretty good high. Um, in terms of the low, I, I find the, the level of civil discourse, the way that we treat each other, to be consistently a low, um, and I don't mean necessarily just in Washington D.C., but I just mean in our in our nation as at in general, and that that is is destructive to all of us and makes me unhappy. You know, the way that I try and address that in my community is uh, we really tried to reset civil discourse in the way that we behave to one another. And so even though I'm kind of constantly on a low of whatever the latest thing that happened, you know, with people behaving badly to one another, I can try and do my part within our community to try and um, allow people to be better. As we have and will continue to talk about, the 116th Congress has not been your average session. After the break, We'll talk about highs and lows that encompass some of the most trying and exciting moments of the past year plus. These days, a trip to the grocery store certainly doesn't feel quick or easy. And yet, stocking up on healthy foods feels really important. You can get fresh, delicious meals delivered straight to your door from Sakara. Sakara's signature nutrition program brings the transformational power of plant nutrition to your home 
in the form of fresh, plant-rich, ready-to-eat meals. Made with organic ingredients and powerful superfoods, each meal is expertly designed to boost immunity, improve energy, support gut health and digestion, and get skin glowing. From hearty salads and nutrient-dense granolas to savory flatbreads and seasonal fruit parfaits, their ever-changing menu of creative, chef-crafted meals makes clean eating delicious. In addition to their delicious meals, Saqqara also offers daily essentials like supplements and herbal teas to complete your wellness routine and support overall health and vitality. To boost immunity, try their best-selling daily probiotic blend or detox water drops with pure chlorophyll. Right now, Saqqara is offering our listeners 20% off their order when they go to saqqara.com house or enter code house at checkout. That's Saqqara, S-A-K-A-R-A, dot com slash house to get 20% off your order. Saqqara.com slash house. Check it out. In January of 2019, the freshman class of Congress was sworn in in the middle of a government shutdown. Abigail Spanberger said that was definitely a low point. She represents Virginia's 7th District. There's these ebbs and flows where... I mean, a a really low point is literally working at at the there's a there was a special drive through line at our large food bank for federal employees. And literally two or three weeks into being sworn in, I'm there. Well, it might have been the first week. Um, But right after being sworn in, I'm at this food bank working the drive through line. And I'm giving food to federal employees and, and, and feeling really just disappointed that here I am unable to fix this problem. Um, and, and to be clear, I was doing everything possible to fix the problem. I was in meetings that were beginning at 10 o'clock at night with bipartisan groups saying, how do we end this? How do we, how do we get this to stop? I went to the White House um, with a group of uh, you know, fewer than 10 of us half Democrats, half Republicans, to say, how do we get this to stop? I mean, I I was doing everything I could. um, But looking people in the face who said, like, oh, like, thank you for helping us as I'm handing them food, you know, it was, that that's a low point to see people who are, you know, who who are suffering in that way. Um, And and because of what I consider to be a, a shameful abdication of responsibility, um, on the, the part of, you know, again, I wasn't there when the shutdown started, and thankfully I was there when it ended, but, you know, government shutdowns are, are theatrical antics that only hurt the American people, and so uh, I think that, you know, standing, in, standing there handing out food was probably easily one of the lowest points when I just said, you know, we're, we are better than this. This, this is not, this is never appropriate. In episode three, we shared one of Abigail's high points, when she got her first bill passed the day her daughter's Girl Scout troop came to the Capitol. It passed unanimously, and to top it off, her Republican ally gave her daughter his American flag pin. She also told me about another bright moment. Another really high point is working in coordination with a constituent uh, who served in the armed forces in the U.S. Uh, Air Force as a military firefighter and has been having significant difficulties getting service-related benefits uh, because of the rare form of cancer that he has that is linked to 
service as a military firefighter, we wrote a bill that would ensure that, you know, future military firefighters like him aren't sort of falling through the cracks and that the service-related nature of, you know, very specific lists of cancers that are demonstrated through data and through a lot of research are linked to services as firefighters, that those folks aren't falling through the cracks. And so after a lot of work, we were able to introduce a bill that would ensure, um, you know, once it passes, uh, that that people like him don't face the same challenges um, in the future. And we were able to name that bill after him. And it's it's just been really um, gratifying to be working directly with someone who's facing someone, something, see his resolve to you know, fight his cancer, and also, in addition to his own personal struggles, make sure that that others who you know follow him don't have to have the same uphill battle. And so that's been, uh, you know, watching the strength of character that he's demonstrated and our ability to you know, unite on this issue and you know be in a position to say, you know what, I, I actually I can write a law, I can try and fix that, um, is is a pretty exceptional uh, responsibility and, and ability. Even before COVID-19, this session has been extraordinary, both in a good way and certainly in a bad way. Here's Representative Angie Craig from Minnesota's 2nd District. I wouldn't call it a low point. I would just call it the point in which I really had to do self-reflection and make an an absolute effort to ensure that uh, I followed my the Constitution and and my own values was with the impeachment inquiry vote. Look, no member of Congress wants to have to take that vote. And I, the entire day when uh, we had votes that evening uh, was a very somber time uh, in the caucus. It was a somber time on the House floor, and I certainly felt that way. I will tell you, though, the high point uh, of being a member of Congress was I was able to preside over the House floor in the hour before we passed the Equality Act. And if you know my story, my wife Cheryl and I, we have four sons, and um, you know, we've we've had to to fight for the right to adopt our son Josh. We had to fight for the right to marry. And to be able to preside over the House floor uh, as we pass the Equality Act to ensure that the next generation of LGBTQ folks don't have to face the same challenges that we face, um, it made, to me, was the perfect example of why I stepped off the sidelines to run for Congress. Because this is really about how you, you change people's lives with good public policy. And um, in that moment, as we passed the Equality Act, uh, that was really the high point of being a member of Congress uh, to me personally. These representatives have weathered a government shutdown and an impeachment hearing. Still, nothing could have really prepared them for COVID-19. This is truly an unprecedented situation. This virus doesn't discriminate. The coronavirus has changed life as we know it across America. I have today declared that the coronavirus presents a public health emergency in the United States. Just after midnight at the Capitol, the Senate leaders announced that Congress and the White House had reached an agreement on an unprecedented $2 trillion spending package. Representatives are having to face questions and challenges that sound familiar to those of us who are not used to working remotely. And for them, the stakes are extremely high. For more on that, 
I spoke with Representative Deb Holland from New Mexico's 1st District. If you listened to season one, you'll recognize Deb's voice. If you didn't, I highly recommend you go back and listen. I would say that uh, right now is the lowest point. We, we haven't, you know, convened as, uh, as a body for quite some time. I haven't had constituents come into my office. We haven't had any hearings lately. Uh, because of the COVID-19 virus. So we, it's not business as usual in, uh, on Capitol Hill right now. And I, you know, I worry every day that um, we're not as effective as we could be if we were all there in person. Normally, we'd be having hearings. We'd be, you know, we'd bring witnesses in. We'd be able to question them about issues. And now everything is through, you know, Zoom and telephone conference call. And so it's, um, we want to keep the ball rolling, and it's hard to know if we're really keeping it rolling as best we can. When Deb won her race in 2018, she became one of the first two Native American women ever in Congress. She made history walking through the door. So I've been in Congress now a year and, you know, four months, almost four months. You know, my my slogan for my campaign was Congress has never heard a voice like mine. I get to Congress. I'm one of the first two Native American women ever elected to Congress. You know, something sticks with me. I was rushing out to a meeting one afternoon in my office in D.C. and there was a tribal chairman who came by my office a very tall man with a big, thick braid behind him. Uh, I had a suit on, and he just happened to come by. Uh, he found my office and wanted to come in and just see my office, right? Say he was in my office and he signed my register. I just happened to be leaving out the door, so I was able to see him in the front office before I left to go to my meeting. And I introduced myself. He gave me a hug and he just cried on my shoulder. It meant, uh, it means so much to people, to Native folks still, to know that someone is there who understands Indian country or can identify with them or they can identify with me, right? So that, I mean, that still to me is, is important and uh, it makes me happy that, that I can be that person for them. We've talked a lot about how this Congress is more diverse than ever, at least on the Democrat side of the aisle. Still, as Deb's story shows, there's a lot of room for improvement. Next time on Women Belong in the House, we'll talk about just that. Stay safe and well, and thank you for listening. Women Belong in the House is a Wonder Media Network production. It's produced by Grace Lynch and executive produced by me, Jenny Kaplan. Special thanks to Louisa Garbowit. Original theme music by Miles Moran. To stay up to date with what's going on at WMN, follow us on Instagram at WMN.media and Twitter at WMN Media. You can also reach me directly on Twitter at Jenny M. Kaplan. I'd love to hear from you. Maybe share your highs and lows at the moment. Talk to you next week.